My friends, today we get to dive into and explore a little bit more of the Pentecost story. And on this day, I want to give you a brief summary before we pick up into our scripture about what had happened. This is after Jesus' ascension into heaven, having been in front of his disciples, been walking the earth for 40 days after his resurrection. And this is all taking place in Acts 2, when the disciples are gathered together. They're gathered together in Jerusalem. They are praying. They are doing what Jesus told them to do. And then what sounds like a, what we can only presume is a hurricane or a mighty rushing wind flows into this house and the Holy Spirit is bestowed upon them. And as Jian has pointed out beautifully in our children's message, there were things such as flaming tongues of fire that appeared upon their heads and they started to babble. And so as we explore our reading today, I want us to keep in mind that they are in Jerusalem. The disciples are waiting for the gift, have now received the gift that Jesus had told them about and now we get to see what they do with it. So my friends, as we go into our scripture, let's pray for God's illumination. Righteous God who fills the wind and resides in our hearts, lead us by the hand of the Holy Spirit to experience what you have for us this day. May our minds be open to questions and changing so that we never settle and never think that we know everything. For we are always seeking after you, the God of all things, as we continue to live in faith and in your sanctifying grace. Amen. Our reading today does come from Acts 2, and we pick up in verse 14. But Peter said, with, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem... Let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in heaven above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, for the last four months, I have been rushing out of this 9 a.m. service to get over to my 10 o'clock confirmation class. Uh, we have been uh, going through their faith and the church and scripture and trying to help them discern what they believe, why, and just to help them along in their journey. It's all going to come to a culmination here at the 11 o'clock service. But we've been talking about really what is important to their faith. We're learning such things as what is grace? What is sin? Who is Jesus? What is the Bible? And more. Uh, and for any of you Jeopardy fans, you may have picked up on the phrasing, which was very intentional because we learned a lot by playing a lot of Jeopardy. Uh, we had a fantastic time 
But one of these things that we covered was the Bible. And it is something that's so important to our faith, so it was important for our confirmants who are beginning their journey to understand. And this was a phrase that I wanted them to remember. And I'm sharing it with you. It is this. The Bible was not written to us, but it is for us. And our scripture today is a good example of this. You see, the disciples were gathered as Jesus instructed them to do. And Jerusalem at this time was full of the Jewish, uh, of people for the Jewish holidays. And God chose this time intentionally to release the fullness of the Holy Spirit in ways we had not seen or experienced as humans. The timing is perfect. Jesus had been murdered just under two months ago. Then his disciples are going around saying he's been raised from the dead. Then Jesus appears among the people for 40 days, and then he is ascended into heaven after many miracles. These events surely, surely would have been talked about. And people would have at least heard a little bit about this Jesus and his disciples and what they were doing. We could say that in Jerusalem there was certainly a buzz in the air. So now thousands of people are gathered in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit descends in this mighty wind and gifts the disciples present with the ability to speak in different languages. And understand this, that these languages were all ones that were spoken. Real languages, they weren't just babbling to babble. They had a purpose. And that purpose was to spread the good news and bring answers, not more questions. You see, they were speaking the words of all the people who had traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate. They were coming here to, or they were going to Jerusalem to worship God. And maybe they didn't know Jesus personally. Maybe they didn't know the full story. And likely it's because it was not translated into the many different languages that were gathered there that day. This was the opportunity to spread the good news in a massive way. We can say that in Jerusalem there was certainly a buzz in the air, but until this time, there was no substance to be found. So as this is all happening, the story then focuses in on one person. It is the man who cut off the ear of another by taking up arms on Jesus' behalf, only to be scolded by Jesus. It is the man that denied Jesus three times in public just hours before his death. It is the man that returned to his old ways of living and fishing after Jesus' death. A man that was tested many times and by our standards failed. This man is Peter. And Peter now stands up, feeling inspired and filled with courage to speak to the people, to preach. This is often referred to as Peter's sermon. Uh, and let me tell you something. Uh, preaching isn't easy even when you speak the same language like we do. Um, heck, even when I came here, someone told me that you all would not be able to relate if I said y'all, right? And I've used it quite a bit in my sermons. I feel like you understand me most of the time, I hope. But I can only imagine what it was like for Peter. 
to be standing in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people, speaking what could be a completely new language. He may not even understand how he's able to do this or what the next words of his mouth would be. And he's speaking to people that are curious, but also very pessimistic about what is happening to this group of people who already have a pretty weird reputation around town. And this is what Peter says. And I want you to understand that this that we read today is just a part of the larger portion of Peter's message. Peter says to this, these group of people that the prophet of old Joel had spoken of this moment and they were seeing the Holy Spirit residing in these people and using them, gifting them. He is saying that this is a good thing and then going beyond that by saying now that all people are equal. Men, women, slaves, and free people are all equal in the sight of God and that all these people can and will be used by God according to their gifts. And it is the last part of our reading today, not the end of Peter's sermon, that I want us to hear with open ears. He says, Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That all people, all people who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is not just the Jews that are there. It is not just for the white people. It is not just for the good people. It is not just for the free people. It is not just for people that look and think like you or like me, but for all people, God says, that call upon his name shall be saved. Peter is using this scripture, the scripture that comes from what we call the Old Testament, that the Jews understood and would know, who the prophet Joel is. He's doing this to reveal to them what is happening. Quoting this old prophecy that was written to a very different group of Jewish people many, many years prior to Peter's sermon. But it is being used for the better understanding of what God was doing in that present time and context. This part of Peter's message from Joel was originally written, was not originally written to Peter and the rest of the people that day. But the meaning, the meaning stood true. And God's word, as we know, remains the same. So understanding this concept of the Bible was not written to us, but written for us, is an important concept that we learned in our confirmation class and that we will take into heart as our confirmands continue to live out their faith. This phrase means that the context changes for us, as it should, but the meaning will stay the same. The lessons are still true, and I want you to understand that interpretation is not a bad thing. It is a very familiar thing. See, every sermon you hear, including this one, is an interpretation. Every word that you read, every devotional that you read, 
is an interpretation. It is nothing new, but all the more is still powerful because if you are here this day, something called you here. Something has spoken to you in your life, and you have felt in a moment like God was speaking to you. And I hope we can come away today with this understanding that, yes, the Bible, the Bible certainly has a huge influence in how we live our lives as Christians today. But we also have the context of who we are and who the Bible was originally written to. And understanding also that these words were written to that specific group of people in a specific time and circumstances. So some of those details or exact wording may not still apply directly to us. Some of the parables that Jesus uses, they don't apply directly to us. How many of us are farmers? Sow our own seeds and crops. But the message from it all remains the same. The pages of history still speak truth to us. This is an important step of understanding what we believe and why. And so as our confirmands today and our mission team are grasping this and taking this into the world and into this church, we're going to examine, you know, why do we believe this? It's going to help them to understand where it came from, why we are doing this, and I hope it is so for us as well. And it is hard to do, but this is why we say for our confirmands, especially, this is the start of your journey, not the end. And for all of us, I think that we are all still on that journey. It doesn't matter what step you are in, but we are all still in the journey of learning, adjusting our thinking by leading humbly while living in the sanctifying holy grace of God. And if our confirmands were here right now, I could probably pull one of them up to explain what sanctifying grace is to you and feel very confident they could do so. We hit on it a lot, but I want to explain it even more so for us. There's illustrations that we use for the United Methodist vision of grace that comes from John Wesley, our founder. There are three parts to it. it is prevenient, justifying, and sanctifying grace. We use the imagery of a house. Prevenient grace is the grace that is always with us. Before we even know who God is, before we have become a believer, is the grace that is leading us, walking us down the sidewalk up to the front porch of the house. Justifying grace, no matter what the time frame is, whether it is a moment, an instant, or a long period of time, is a time where we come to an understanding and accept the grace that has been bestowed upon us, the sacrifice that Jesus made, Justifying grace is the opening of the door into the house. And sanctifying grace that I talked about a little bit earlier, sanctifying grace is living in that house. It is living in the grace of God that continues to make us holy as we pursue God. For you see, we are invited into the house, not as guests, but as family members. We are called the children of God. So for us today, this understanding of sanctifying grace 
means that we now live with God. Meaning that God sees the good, the bad, and even the parts that we don't want God to see and we don't want to remember. God sees it. And God gives us grace for all of it out of a love that we cannot fully fathom. And this, this gives us hope for a better understanding of freedom in God. And that our beliefs will never be perfect, nor our actions will ever be perfect. But if we continue to live in the house of sanctifying grace, then our beliefs and our actions will certainly be shaped by God in a pursuit of being more like him. And in doing so, our understanding of what God wants, how to read God's word, and how to use them together will drastically impact our lives and even change how we live and want to continually grow and never settle for some finite answers to infinite questions. My friends, the Bible, whether you believe it or not, is a powerful book. It holds within it life and death. For what we share from it can either bring someone life, new life, and change it for the better, or if used improperly, can harm lives forever. And we should take it seriously when we share, for we should always seek the deeper answers. See, the words on the page, if presented as is, can sometimes be more dangerous than any question presented to us can be. Because by doing so, it doesn't provide any context for us now. And the words we share certainly will impact the lives of those who hear it. So today, as we have explored just a part of Acts 2, I encourage you, to not just take my word for it, but to seek out the context. Seek out what is Peter saying even further in this time, being filled with the Holy Spirit beyond measure, beyond known experience. And I want us to grasp this with our faith, how we live, how we read, and how we act out. I want us to not be so afraid to question as long as we are seeking answers. Doubt is not a bad thing unless you don't seek the answers. I want you to know that all people are equal in the eyes of God. I want us to be the people that do not just quote scripture with no context to people who are seeking understanding, justice, and grace, but people who are willing to walk and disciple them, walk with them, through whatever they are seeking, whether it is healing or better understanding. This also means that we must be willing to be wrong and willing to learn. And something I learned recently in one of my seminary classes was this. Don't give simple answers to complex questions. And when you and I hear a sermon or a devotional that seems like it is pointed, pointed directly at us, realize that that is a good thing. 
realize that is God working to speak to you. So explore whatever that thought or that feeling is. Because the God of the universe is trying to speak your language to get your attention to show you something life-changing. So may we live in the sanctifying grace, continuing to pursue God, open to the movement of the Holy Spirit. Amen.